up it's Atlanta what's up greater Atlanta area what's up Roswell what's up Gate City OTP we're ATL United podcast we are uh, we are new in town but this is actually our, our 25th episode now Joe time is flying by our episode can legally rent a car we can legally rent a car if, if episodes were years uh, we're happy to be barring your ears today tonight here at Gate City Brewing Company this is a beautiful night in what Atlanta a, what a wonderful brewery a beautiful five stripe Friday and uh, like I said I'm Blake the Marshman, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, A-T-L Joe. ATL Joe. We're going to get you guys ready for tomorrow against uh, DC United in the bins. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a hot one. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to cool down by game time because I bet they keep the roof closed and it's nice AC. But anyways, Joe, are you, are you ready to do this? I, I'm so Let's ready. Do Let's it, get man. started. Welcome back to the show. And, uh, Blake, we got some big news in Atlanta. What happened last week? Dude, uh, we broke another attendance record, another MLS attendance record against Seattle uh, on national TV, directly following the World Cup. Uh, this was the biggest game, honestly, that the MLS had ever had exposure for in the MLS history. So more viewers. We had 1.55 million viewers on Fox. You know, obviously the World Cup carryover helped that a lot. But this was a spectacle for the entire MLS. And uh, we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, but it was a little bit of a disappointment considering considering the audience. But the good news out of that is Atlanta United now holds the top five attendance records in MLS history. All five are Atlanta United, and it's not looking like it's ever going to be broken. Yeah, it's going to be hard to break it unless someone builds a, uh, a 75,000-seat stadium in MLS sometime in the next couple of years. I, I, don't, I don't really see that one happening. I think DC United's new stadium is under 30,000, so no one's really shooting for the stars like we are. Uh, let's talk about you know a little bit of the standings because we are at that point in the season where playoff talk is going to start to come up. Uh, you know we are we are at 40 points, uh, actually 41 points. NYCFC is at 40 points. This game is crucial to hold that first place in the East. It's going to be tough. Um, Dallas is sneaking in, and the top of the Sporter Shield is starting to look a little crowded. It's really close, and there's only 13 games left for Atlanta, and they actually hold have played more games than the rest of the the whole East. So it's going to be real tight. It's really important to win the rest of our games. Yeah, and you know, and, and other news that's not directly related to the standings, what we have is a little bit of supporter uh, group rivalries between us and Orlando. Uh, we had a ban on each of our supporters groups from entering the other stadium. Uh, that just got lifted. I don't know if, you know, Darren and, uh, you know, the whole crew got together with the, the Orlando front office and were like, okay, guys, you guys can you guys let our guys in and, and we'll let your guys in and we can just be friends again but still have a rivalry? We're sorry about the banner we put in downtown Orlando. You know, I don't know what's going on there, but it's good to see that ban is lifted. Kind of an undercover, uh, I'm sorry if you're sorry, uh, let's let our fans come to the game. Yeah, it's just like a, a, a casual handshake but not a hug. 
you know, handshake versus hug. Or more of like a pity that Orlando is just so bad that they wanted to give him something. Right. It's like if you're going to be terrible all year long, at least let your fans, you know, into the game. That, I guess that was where their office was coming from. Uh, moving on, uh, Ronaldo. He just moved to Juventus in a uh, record-breaking move for the Italian La... Well, no, it's not La Liga. What is it? Serie A. Um, but he's not going to be coming to the MLS All-Star Game that was announced. So everyone that bought a ticket for the MLS All-Star Game in Atlanta expecting to see Ronaldo is still going to get to see Juventus. They're just not going to get to see Ronaldo. And, you know, it's funny that as soon as it was announced that Ronaldo signed for Juventus, ticket prices for the MLS All-Star Game went up by 10 bucks on average. Skyrocketed. <laughs> so everyone bought a bunch of tickets that week, and now they're kind of upset because they won't be able to see one of the greatest players of all time. If not arguably the greatest player of all time. And the funniest part about it is, is that as soon as it was announced, the, the front office's promo was a picture of Ronaldo with his back up against Joseph Martinez. Like, the two number sevens come see him play. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think those ticket prices are going to plummet once news gets out that Ronaldo is not playing. Well, now that Ronaldo's not playing, is it okay for Joseph to back out and not play so he can stay healthy for the rest of the season? Honestly, I've said it before, and I'll say it again to all our listeners. Uh, I think we are better off without risking any of our players in the All-Star game because... Who cares? It does not matter. This well, is a friendly for Juventus. Why would we risk injury? Well, the best part about it is Tata is going to be the coach. So he might, just for our home fans, put in all our players for five minutes at a, uh, one shift, bring them all in as a sub so they get the standing ovation, and then five minutes later bring them all out together and get another standing ovation. That's true. And you know Tata is going to give them all a very strict pregame speech, like do not go in hard on any challenges. Do not even risk this. Uh, hopefully he takes out all our guys at halftime. Hopefully it's a fun game. Hopefully it's a good display for the city of Atlanta, but definitely disappointing that Ronaldo's not going to be playing. Uh, let's move on really quick, Joe. We did a special bonus episode during the World Cup for all our listeners uh, that, that tuned in for our World Cup bonus editions. The World Cup ends. France versus Croatia. Our flag is falling down behind us. Uh, France wins this game 4-2. to Are you surprised at all? Going into it, I was pulling hard for Croatia, but the lineup that France put out and their talent bottom, top to bottom, was just so unbelievable. They were one of the most talented teams, and pre-World Cup, they were one of the top four teams to go in it. So it wasn't too big of a surprise. I was just a little disappointed that I didn't get the underdog story that the whole World Cup seemed to be about. So I watched this game in Mercedes-Benz with, uh, you know, probably about 50 of the 70,000. And the coolest thing about it was, you know, it was a very pro-Croatia crowd. And when Croatia got that goal to seemingly get back in the game and tie it 1-1, everyone was just going bananas. Uh, France shipped away. Croatia got a really late, weird goal. Um, it was kind of Carious-esque, if anyone watched the Champions League final. Yeah. Hugo Lloris, uh, at least he won the World Cup, and he doesn't have to live with that defeat because that was an embarrassing goal. <laughs> Where he tried to pass it away, and it was just a deflected pass straight into the back of his own net. That's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, and uh, just to recap, you know, news for this week, a final bit of really positive news. Darren Eels came out and said that none of our players are going to be leaving this summer. 
And uh, that, that, you know, contradicts what Miggy's agent has come out and said. But at the same time, you know, I think this is a signal of intent from the front office. They're not going to sell Miggy. He also mentioned that Tata Martino will have the option to sign on longer. Like, it's already out there. They've slid the piece of paper across to Tata. If he wants to continue with Atlanta United past this year, the door is wide open. Blake, that is great news. And none of that news really hurts me. But sometimes there's other parts that hurt me. Blake, can you tell me who's hurting? Yeah, let's do it. All right, injury report. We do this every week, you know, and I don't have a lot of injuries to recap. Um, we already know that Greg Garza is out long term. We know that Darlington Nagby is out long term. So, you know, it's a special live show. We're here on a Friday night, beautiful bar. I say we do a special section for injury report, and let's talk about who's really injured. And I think it is MLS fans by this last display oh, no. against the Sounders. Um, we, are, we are watching the game here at Gate City, a little recap. And uh, like I said, this is the most watched MLS game in history. Uh, definitely a showcase for the city of Atlanta. Definitely a showcase for Atlanta's fans. But, Joe, you know, this was a pitiful game for a neutral fan. And you, it came on directly after the World Cup final, and it was such a big hype episode. And for the MLS, they scheduled this game specifically knowing the World Cup was coming, but it was preseason. And you had the MLS runner-up in the MLS Cup, Seattle Sounders, plus the, the brainchild, the wonderful baby of MLS with Atlanta United being the number one team coming in. They thought this was going to be a wonderful going at it game coming into the season. They didn't know that Seattle Sounders were going to be possibly the worst team or just a non-offensive team during the whole World Cup. And they come in and play, and Seattle brings a horrible, horrible game tactic. Or maybe good for them because they, they came away with what they wanted to do. Well, okay, let's hit on a couple things. Uh, there was time-wasting this game. There was uh, poor refereeing. Uh, VAR was used poorly. Um, there was a red card, and there was a bus parking. Uh, by Seattle. All in all, it was terrible to watch as a neutral. It was honestly terrible to watch as an Atlanta or a Seattle fan. I just am going to put the MLS on the injury report because we had a chance to really showcase what soccer has become in our country uh, with 1.55 million viewers, and we fell on our face. We got on the big stage, and we choked in terms of MLS the league. Um, so I'm putting MLS on the injury report, but, uh, you know, enough, enough with injuries. Let's talk about Seattle. Let's talk about this recap so we can move on. All right, Seattle, we don't want to talk about it too much. I know that you were unfortunately unable to attend. I was in attendance. The highlight of the game, without a doubt, was the TIFO. It was fantastic. The gold standard, they handed out, someone taped plastic flags and gave them out to each supporter and all the supporter section to wave before the game. It was incredible. They raised a huge banner behind the supporter section. Uh, that was the highlight of the game. Besides Joseph's goal uh, to open up the second half, we, we had another rough game breaking down a parked bus, Joe. I don't know. I'm sure you've watched it. What were your thoughts? Seattle came in with a game plan, and... It's a, a game plan that seems to be a theme against Atlanta, especially Mercedes-Benz. And for them, it worked. It's an ugly game plan. It's not a fan way to watch soccer. No. But Seattle all season has been a very solid defensive team. And they don't know how to score goals. 
they fortunately for them got a handball in the box to score a penalty kick that Guzan almost and probably should have saved. Yeah, Brad should have been there. But part of their game plan as well was to try to get under Atlanta's skin, try to rile up their players, foul as much as possible. When the ref's not looking, shove a player down and try to get them in your face to get a reaction foul. And it worked. Atlanta was frustrated. They didn't know what what to come back with them. And as they parked the bus, they were not able to break them down further because they were only sending one guy into the box as they were going side to side. Yeah, I think what we have to hit on and and what we always talk about and we end up talking about is VAR. So, you know, obviously Seattle is awarded a penalty from VAR. uh, And then later on, Howard Webb, the head of VAR for the MLS, comes out and says, well, actually, we should have given Atlanta a penalty. But that's kind of like, hey, you know, we're really sorry that, uh, you know, you ate at our restaurant and got food poisoning, but uh, here's a $5 coupon. It's like, what good is that now, Howard Webb? Like, you're going to come out after the game and say, okay, we got the call wrong, but there's nothing to reconcile it. You can't put Joseph Martinez on the penalty spot. We don't get that goal back. We draw this game. We were a man up for most of the second half, and we just couldn't put one in, Joe. It was a very disappointing performance. And so let me touch on the VAR deal, and I've told you guys before in the past that I am am not a fan of VAR. I'm not a fan because it slows the game down, and so far to me it doesn't really make a difference if we have VAR in there or not because there's still missed calls. But I want to take a note from the World Cup. And during the World Cup, they were very adamant about showing they had four referees in the VAR box. And they had all four of them were watching a different screen. Yeah. Where in MLS, we're only watching one screen. Yeah. If we can take something from that, and it's not against FIFA rules, because obviously it's not. They played it in the World Cup. Sure. If we can add one or two or three more refs to the box of VAR, maybe they won't miss as many calls. Or they have more chances to see the calls that should be reviewed and not miss one. Yeah. After the game, they came out with an article saying that the pro, uh, pro professional refs officiating, I forgot the name of the some, acronym, some but they said that they are going to change the way VAR is. And if they change it to add another ref or two into the VAR booth, it might progress the sport. And we still have... 13 games, 14, or if you're DC, 20 games left. Well, I think what we have to hit on, too, is this sport existed for a long time without video review, and it was still the most popular sport in the entire world. So I don't think we need to harp on video review too much. The refs got it wrong. Atlanta got it wrong. It was a day to forget. You know, I think that we didn't play up to our ability despite the uh, chokehold that Chris McCann had, which uh, should have been a penalty that the Ref Association came out and said definitely should have been a penalty. But at the same time, Joe... Are you talking about that chokehold where it was that was a wrestling everybody, move. where he takes an arm and a super suplex, throws him down to the ground, and all of a sudden everyone's screaming at him, and they don't even go back and review it to say that the video assistant Ref waves it off because he says multiple people scream in the box. Yeah. This is not rugby. Yeah. That is a definite penalty. You know, and it goes back to what you were saying about VAR. Like, okay, so the World Cup pretty much had a whole TV studio full of referees. You know, they, they, they panned over to it sometimes, all the refs in, like, the booth. You know, yeah. MLS, can we afford that? Can we afford to have four referees watching every game just for VAR? Like, this is getting a little ridiculous. I think we should just go back. I liked watching last season without VAR, personally. I know it benefited Atlanta at some points, but I'm starting to jump on your train 
train. Just bring back the organic game. If the ref has a bad game, the ref has a bad game. But at least we don't go back and say, well, they got this VAR call. We didn't get this VAR call. And then the whole point of VAR making the game fair is, is negated. And when it's negated, then it's like, okay, well, what's even the point of this? It's just causing more debate. And it's taking way too much time away from the game. It's becoming, it's becoming American football. It's because, why don't we just do commercial breaks every time we do VAR? So, bottom line, though, Seattle came out with their game plan, and they did what they do best, is defend and hope for a lucky goal, and they got their lucky goal. They got it. And their goalie came up huge with a couple of huge saves, and we did not do what we should have done, is, is capitalize on our chances. And that's been a theme of all season. It's been very, very hurting to my soul but we have another chance next week to be this weekend to have come up with a couple of of wonderful goals and we can score a lot so seattle did their thing they came out with a point and we're the only ones to blame for that in the end and all after all of that it makes me think blake i'm ready to put this game in the past and i'm ready to drink a beer i need a beer beer of the week every week and, beer of the uh, week. We uh, a big surprise. Obviously, beer of the week is from Gate City this week. Coming from our straight from the brewery, they were able to give me a, this crowler of Carl Black IPA, and it's the first time I'm going to spike in a crowler. Dude, I, I'm, I'm kind of scared. We're going to do this ATL chant. I do it every week. Going to hold it for you. Oh, that's that's good there teamwork right there. There you go. A T L. Joe. <laughs> well spiked, Joe. Cheers, everybody. See, uh, this is why, you know, the whole spike mixed with electronics doesn't always work. Um, you know, if we go out, if we lose audio feed, you guys know who to blame. It's uh, not ATL, Joe. I can tell you that much. But yeah, we're, we're featuring Gate City this week in more ways than one. Uh, thank you, first off, to Gate City for having us tonight. Uh, this is a lot of fun. This is a really cool uh, separated space here at Gate City. They got a second tap room. I know you can also rent this tap room for, uh, for private events. So if you guys are looking for a place to host a party, you guys are looking for a, a place to have a, you know, a birthday celebration. I think we got a birthday celebration here tonight. I uh, saw a Dirty 30 balloon out there. Yeah, we got a Dirty 30 balloon. You know, Gate City and Roswell, fantastic place for a gathering. Uh, this is fun to be out here. Joe, tell us about this black IPA. It's I, I got one black too. IPA, 7.7 alcohol, so it's it's very strong. Yeah. And it's got uh, your your basic bitter IPA taste with a brown ale almost in the back. Oh my, our coffee yeah. aromas. Yeah. So it's it's a very strong ale. This is like almost a, a stout IPA crossover, I feel A very like. good dinner beer or post-dinner beer yeah. when you're ready to just relax at home. I feel like this would go really well with like a, uh, you know, a cup of vanilla ice cream. That is you know? a very good dessert beer. Yeah, this is a dessert beer. Uh, we're going to keep drinking Gate City beer all night long. Happy to have Gate City as our beer and brewery of the week. And this brewery is crowded. If you guys are ever looking for something to do on a Friday afternoon, come out to Gate City because there's tons of people here. It's always a great environment. Yeah, family-friendly. Obviously, City of Roswell has done a lot downtown to you know boost people just out on the streets. Uh, Roswell, downtown Roswell, if you guys are hanging out ITP, Roswell's a spot to be. If you guys are like OTP and you're wondering where you should go Friday night, Roswell's also the spot to be. Um, so, you know, thanks Gate City for having us. I'm going to keep drinking this beer. I think we got to go ahead. Everyone wants to know. Let's get ready for DC United. Let's preview this next game.
All right, here it is. This is what you're here for. We're about to preview our game against DC United. One of our rivals, they got the same name as us, and we're going to try to take home the United Derby. But are they really a rival? Like, this is a bad team. They were a bad team last year. They were a bad team this year. They signed Wayne Rooney in some feeble attempt to make themselves marketable. They built a brand new stadium to try to make themselves marketable. But I believe they're a rival, and I will tell you why. Because they beat us? And this is what they differ from Orlando City. They beat us all three games last year, being the worst team in the league. They can't come into the offseason, and as we were not able to sign Yamil Assad, even though we tried, they stole one of our favorite players on the field. You go and look around the stadium, we still have a Yamil Assad jerseys all over the place. They stole him from us, one of our lo- beloved young players. Random Yamil Assad stat, he scored the first ever Atlanta United goal. For all of our listeners that maybe weren't with us earlier for the first DC United preview. But guess what? He just scored again, Joe. He scored the first ever goal at DC United's brand new Audi Field. And so this guy just loves scoring goals and openers. Yeah, and so they stole Yamil Assad, and we came in the first game of the season thinking that this is going to be a struggle, and we went out and beat them 3-1 to one in old-school Atlanta United fashion. And we have not won that – we haven't had that 3-1 to one victory like we had so many times last year in Mercedes-Benz until maybe this week is what I'm hoping the score is going to be a final of us winning 3-1. to one. Yeah, it was a good display. So I believe they are very much a rival. I guess that you could say they're a rival. They share a name. They had our number last year. Uh, I just don't want ourselves to become Orlando City and just become rivals with teams that beat us. You know, because that's what Orlando City... Like, Orlando City's never beaten us, but they call us our rival. Like, that's kind of... To me, that's... I don't want to stoop that low. Okay. So, you know? we're not... Ne- it's really we're tough. Foes. you got to build a rivalry We're throughout. enemies. you got to build the rivalry. And But let me give you a little bit of preview of DC United. They're sitting in last place in the Supporter Shield standings, but that's not to fault to them. They've only played 15 games when around the average is about 18 to 19 games in the MLS. So they're way behind schedule, and that's because they didn't have a field to play for a long time. Well, that was like us last year. You know, we had a very, very backloaded schedule. We went on that crazy win streak. We won that game 7-0 because we didn't have the bins ready. So they pushed a lot of our home games back. It got delayed a little bit. Bobby Dodd was a great venue, obviously, for all the new Atlanta United fans. But Man, DC United can maybe catch a catch a little wave here and have some momentum. And let's see. They've only got three wins on the season, but their last five games, they're one win, two draws, two losses. But they won their first game at their new field. Maybe they're building momentum. And now they have a bunch of home games coming up. So, But it's also a double-edged sword. They've got a bunch of home games at the end of their schedule. But like Atlanta last year, they're all compact, and they got to play a lot of games within a small amount of time. So maybe fatigue plays a factor. I think fatigue plays a huge factor because that was what, in my opinion, cost us a deep run in the playoffs and potentially the cup last year was fatigue. Yes, we went on an incredible win streak, but Miguel Almiron got hurt. Yes. I think he was overplayed. And yep. that's the reason he got hurt. We lost Miggy. Miggy lost came Garza. back. We lost Garza. Unfortunately, we lost Garza in the All-Star game, right. which goes back to my earlier point that the All-Star game is something that our players should not play in. <laughs> I just think that at the end of the day, 
DC's season is still up for grabs. This team could still go on a run. They got a brand new field, and they got one of the, I would call him an ex-world superstar playing for them. And I saw this, uh, ATL Joe's going to nerd out with stats on you again, but I only saw this one on Twitter, so it doesn't really count. By points per game average, if DC United sticks to their points per game, or if the whole MLS sticks to their points per game, DC United will wind up fourth place in the East. And now that they've got their compact home schedule, it's very possible they could be a playoff team fourth or fifth place. And it's very possible it could be Atlanta United versus D.C. United for a fourth matchup starting their Atlanta United's playoffs. Dude, okay, I mean, hopefully we end up in the situation where we get a first-round bye this year. We can get into that a little bit further down the road. I think it's too early to lock in playoff picture. Let's go back to Yamil Assad because, like we said earlier, this was a guy that people are still walking around with Atlanta United Assad jerseys, and he is killing the game for DC this year. Oh, Yamil. He's been a great pickup. How much I miss you. And did you see a couple games back, Yamil Assad was in the stadium watching his boys in Atlanta. He is still friends with multiple guys on our team, mainly the Argentines and, and Miggy. Uh, and he's still friends. They got a really close bond. He's wanting to be back in Atlanta, but he went where the money is calling him. And I don't blame him on that. Well, I mean, you know, uh, a wise uh, uh, artist, you know, once said that uh, cash money over everything. I don't remember which artist that is, but, uh, you know, you got to respect professional athletes when they uh, they chase the cash because their careers are a lot shorter. You know, uh, you know, we're both uh, we're both in sales. Right. You know, so we can sell stuff till we're like 70. Right. I right. mean, ideally, you know, I mean, hopefully we make it that long. But these guys can play till they're what, 35? 35 is a good age. Maybe. So your How career is over time? at 35. Why wouldn't you chase the paper? <laughs> I guess I'm just going to defend the professional athlete mindset. And this, this like, transcends sports. Like, this isn't just soccer. This is football, especially NFL career normally only goes to 25. Chase the paper. I don't blame him. Yeah, so Yamil Assad is a guy that we we're harping on, and he is one of our players to watch. Like we did uh, earlier in the, the first podcast, the second episode, uh, talking about the preview, Yamil Assad was a player to watch. But there's a couple other players, and now a new player that everyone wants to talk about. Who else do we have to watch uh, when we're looking at DC United? You know, I mean, we are always a family-friendly podcast, um, and I don't know what you guys have heard about Wayne Rooney. Uh, but Wayne Rooney is is an international star at one point in his career. He also, uh, you know, has had some tabloid media come so out. So you're telling me Wayne Rooney now plays for DC United? He now plays for DC United, and he, you know, he has and that some was stuff a, to make fun of. That was a big money move. I want to uh, kind of rewind. DC United spent. Was it $16 million to bring Wayne Rooney to the MLS? More than I have in my bank he account. He is 32 years old, which that is actually top of your prime or fading out of your prime, depending on how you look at it for soccer. So they spent big money to bring in a big-time goal scorer to the MLS. But Wayne Rooney is a guy that traveled around MLS and was a big – or traveled on sorry, Premier League – and was a big player for English national team, but he came with a lot of controversy. Yeah, I mean, you got to talk about Wayne Rooney. He's a, a, to Manchester United fans, and if we have Manchester United fans listening to our show, uh, first off, we're sorry. Uh, second off, you know, 
Wayne Rooney is a legend at, at United. And Everton and United have always had a close tie. He transferred to Everton following kind of the trail end of his career at United. And honestly, he didn't do that well last year. I think the MLS was the best move for Wayne Rooney. But like you said, uh, a lot of controversy comes with this guy. Yeah, so Wayne Rooney, young in his career, and it just kept happening and happening that he would go out and look for the older women. Yeah. Not necessarily the older women, but a fatter. Probably be the grandmother age. Yeah. And there was a wonderful song. I first heard it at a Liverpool game that just followed him around the Premier League. Well, you know, the English media is, is ruthless. Like, they will find you. If you're a celebrity, they will find you. I want to hear this song at Mercedes-Benz. And I really hope we hear this song. I'm about to give it to you. If you guys ever heard Guantanamera, a wonderful Spanish song, so I'm sure a lot of our Spanish listeners know Guantanamera. Yeah, and I mean, it's all Guantanamera over Reddit. Guantanamera. It's already all over. It's all over Reddit. You know, they're saying, hide your grandma's Wayne Rooney's coming to town. <laughs> and here he comes. And if we can get this resounding around the stadium, or at least at the very least in the supporters section, we can hear, you're a fat granny shagger. Da, da, da. Wayne Rooney, fat granny shagger. We got to keep it family You're friendly. You're a fat granny shagger. So, You're uh, a fat granny shagger. It's going to be beautiful. It's gonna I resound. would love that to resound around so, the stadium. Joe and I have some, uh, we have some lyrics that we're going to hand out tomorrow at the tailgate. Be sure to look for our tent uh, down in the gulch. Uh, if you guys want to get a rousing rendition of Fat Granny Shagger going uh, with us, uh, that, that's all we're going to mention today, but we're going to get it riled up tomorrow. So enough on Wayne Rooney. And you know he comes into, oh, he comes into the team, probably taking over Darren Maddox's spot, the young Jamaican who has eight goals on the season. He's a good player. Not a bad player, but Wayne Rooney is a clear upgrade. And then the, for the rest of D.C. United's team, where they're good at, they're attacking midfield and just – constant attack where they've got Rooney, Yamil Assad, Paul Areola, a U.S. international who very well could be one of the staples of our team. Kind of a playmaker to join in with Pulisic in the future. Yeah, might, and, see, him in, uh, might see him in eight years. And then another Argentine player that I'm sure Yamil Assad is getting along well with is Luciano Acosta who we were fortunate enough was coming back from injury and suspension in game one. And he is their prime playmaker right next to Areola and Yamil Assad and now Wayne Rooney. I'd say Acosta is arguably their best player. If, if not, even with Wayne Rooney in the team, even with Assad playing as well as he is, Acosta is a very similar player to Miguel Almiron. Wouldn't you say so? I totally agree with that. And, he, and he's also very formidable to Kaku, who we faced earlier this year. They're in that top five of the best players in MLS. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll be mentioned with Giovinco, even though after the year Giovinco having he's kind of falling off that top five yeah I mean Giovinco's faded a little bit obviously I don't know if you saw the Toronto uh, flair setting the stands on fire at their most recent away game uh, Toronto's having a tough year in the MLS and with their fan support and I can't wait to play them but anyways those are our pl- um, but the next player to watch for I really want to mention with DC United and it kind of is a counter polar opposite of Seattle Sounders. Yeah. Their playing style is identical, but their likes and dislikes are polar opposites, and it is the D.C. United defense and goalie. Yeah. They are god-awful. They're terrible. It is. They have only had one clean sheet all season long. Yeah. That is unheard of. 
And the, the only clean sheet they had was against Columbus Crew, where they got a red card early in the second half and had to play a man down the entire half, and they won that game one nothing. Honestly, we should put four past these guys. I, I really think we should put at least four past them. With the attack that we have that's healthy, we can start our Fab Four. We can start Miggy. We can start Barco. We can start... Joseph, well, and we can start Tito. Why wouldn't we put four? Why wouldn't all four of them get a goal this game? I agree. This is a really great time. Let's break this down a little bit further. Let's go to Tata's tactics. Inside the mind of Tata. Tata's tactics. We got the worst defensive team in the MLS. And they bunker down. It's one of our Achilles heels this year. So, Blake, tell me, are we going to be able to break apart this team or are they going to be able to counter on us and break us apart and score more than us? I'm going to be straight up with you, Joe. I think tactically we have struggled tremendously breaking down teams. I think we've lacked creativity off the bench. And besides Kratz, we haven't had a true impact player enter games. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this with a caveat. We have a potential impact player, we just don't bring him in when we should, when we're struggling to break teams down. And that guy, and we've hit on this is he over one of our and own? over. He's one of our own. His oh, name is I knew Andrew you were Carlton. Say that. Andrew Carlton. Because we have to keep talking about it. If we're struggling to break down a team, how does this kid not get playing time? I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Okay, that's that's all I got, Joe. I didn't know you were going to bring that up today, and but I love that you bring it up because I want the whole fan base to keep bringing it up. Andrew Carlton needs to get in the game when we're down. Chant his name. Tied Yell for him. Because he really can break down a team. Every time he's in, it's magic. And no I'm more, no more basket. Looking at Vancouver, and they got their young kid, the Canadian Carlton, Canadian breaking Carlton. down teams. We can't have our own Carlton show, showcasing his talent. But uh, tactically, DC United, our first game against them, we won three to one. Yeah, and it was one, well. of, one of our best games of the entire season. We were attacking the entire game, and during that time, we were playing that three-five-one. Sorry, three-five-two formation. Yeah, three in the back, five midfielders, and two up front. Yeah, and that was game. Barco was out, but Vijalba was healthy for. That's true. And so I'm going to go ahead and jump forward and say the lineup that I would love to see would be a three-five-two. Wow. With Escobar, Parky, LGP at the back line, McCann and Gressel at the wing backs. You have Larry as our defensive back, but you put Miggy and Barco in the midfield. Okay. And then you have Tito Vajalba and Joseph Martinez Playing up being top. threats up top. I like and that line of block. That would be beautiful. I, uh, I just don't see us necessarily moving to that because one problem we have with our team right now is obviously left back. I think McCann played great as a third center back, but I think right now with how many center backs we have healthy, you got to put LGP, Parkey, and Escobar in the back three. Yes. So where does that leave McCann? I think we got to play a back four with McCann. So I disagree a little bit. I think we stick with four at the back, just to be honest with you. I think that's a great lineup you presented. I just think with the players we have available right now, we'll probably stick with four at the back. 
Yeah, and I, so I like the mixed match of lineups, but the bottom line is here. Or what I, a point I want to bring up is the formation or starting formation doesn't really matter as long as you're playing a fluid game and yeah. you put the right starters out there because the problem is Tata Martino even mentioned this in one of his comments uh, translated to English albeit he said we need to have more players in the box besides Joseph Martinez and it doesn't matter if you're in a 3-5-2 a 4-3-3 a 4-4-2 or whatever lineup you show out there as long as you have, when we play it outside to the wings, left or right, you have more than one player crashing the box. If it's on the left side, those right-sided players need to find those open spaces in the box. And same with the right side. Or it's the same if you're playing in the middle. You need off-ball movement. We need to see our players checking back, making diagonal cuts, and providing open passes and more options in the box, being able to provide that take away from the first player, we have a tap-in at the back post. I think we have to bring this up because we've talked about it a lot. He is the most expensive player in MLS history. And I think that Tata's statement was a direct challenge to Ezekiel Barco to shoot more, to get in the box more. He's clearly comfortable taking on players in the midfield, right? Right. He'll, he'll shimmy a guy around the halfway line. But once he gets near the box, he's very hesitant. And, and so that's where Assad was different last year. Assad almost was hesitant in the midfield. But when Assad got in that final third of the pitch, he got in that attacking zone. Yamil Assad provided assists and goals. And that's what we've been missing from the left side this year. And, and he, with Vijaba out for over half the year so far, we've been missing it from the right, which results in the only goal scorer we have is Joseph, especially with Miggy launching every shot 20 rows deep. Yeah, that's a great point. And to my point of my lineup that I brought up, and I don't know if Tata's going to do this, but what I, what I, if I'm playing manager right now, I move Ezekiel Barco to the middle of the field, right next to Miguel Amaron, where we can have our two creative players. If someone's going to park the bus, they're in the middle of the field where they can have so much space to break down opponents. And after the dribble, they can put more threatening passes or take more challenging shots and more aggressive shots at goal. I would love to see Barco play more centralized. Yeah, I, I just I agree with you. I think we have to do something different with him because as a left wing, he is not thriving the way he should be. With his skills and with his ability and with obviously his price tag, I think we should expect better. But I'm not criticizing him. I think it's a tactical issue. So, what else do you want to hit on on uh, uh, tactically with Tata? The only other thing I'd hit on is what is our plan when teams park the bus? We've talked about it a lot. Formation changes late in games don't work. And I said it earlier, obviously I'd love to see Andrew Carlton come on. If you had to bring on one player not named Andrew Carlton right now, and we are knotted up in a 1-1 tie, and the other team is parking the bus, happy to get a point, a la last game against Seattle, then who do you bring on to truly make an impact, truly break down a defense, and get us a win? Because like we need wins at this point, enough draws at home. Yeah, and that's a good point. And Although he has had a really bad run of form, 
I am to the fact I don't want to just throw him under the bus or throw him out the window. Okay. Romario Williams, I still think, is that top choice if you're trying to get a goal. And he has had a very, very bad run of form, and I've criticized him lately. Super Romario! But I really believe Romario Williams, give him enough opportunity, give him enough minutes, and you, you told me I can't throw Andrew Carlton in the game. I'm putting Romario Williams up there with Joseph Martinez, but I'm not taking Tito Vajalba out or Gresselmania, put him on the wing as well. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I would love to throw Gressel back out on the wing, centralize Tito Vajalba, and maybe if we put Romario Williams in there, we got another guy who... Romario has scored some incredible goals over He's his He scored career. some great goals, and and I, I kind of agree with that statement. Romario would be my second guy after Carlton, and that's really what I was getting at, is who can come on, who can change a game. I think a, a striking duo of Joseph and Romario sounds pretty scary. You got a big guy and like a quick, speedy guy that's playing on that offside trap line. I'd love to see it. The only striking duo that we have that could top that would be Joseph Martinez and Tito Vajalba. Who, yeah. Tito Vajalba can score goals, whether they're ugly or whether they're pretty. He's done them both. If we can put, that's why I had that 3-5-2 and put Tito right next to Joseph. Joseph, and he's forced to play in the box all game with Joseph. I would love to see that happen. Joe, we have uh, we have had a great time tonight. Let's get a score prediction from you. Tomorrow in the bins, it's going to be a sticky one. It's going to be a hot one. we got a high chance of rain, but the gulch is still going to be rowdy. Uh, I know we're going to be out there. If you guys see the ATLNs United tent, be sure to uh, come by say, hey, we will uh, we'll do the Wayne Rooney chant with you. Um, I would love to do that. What's your score prediction, Joe? And I, I'm ready to give you this score prediction so I can go back to Gate City and get another beer. Yeah, we got a 30th birthday. We got a 30th Even though I just pounded that Crowler. But it's going to be a high-scoring game, I think. And we got a team that cannot keep a clean sheet. No. And then we got a struggling Atlanta who, unlike last year, cannot score over two goals in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We're struggling to score. But you got a new, uh, you got Yamil Assad coming back, Wayne Rooney coming back. It's going to be back and forth. And I'm debating on whether I, I want Atlanta. I think Atlanta will win this score, game. Give us a score, Joe. Give us a score. It's, Three to two, Atlanta United. Okay, I'm going. Uh, I'm going two one, Atlanta United. I, I agree there'll be goals. I think it'll be more defensive than you think, but I think we get up two zero. Oh, we let in one. I think it'll be someone famous that scores against us, either Assad or Rooney, and uh, and then we hold on for dear life. Hopefully Tata doesn't do anything like crazy, like switch to five at the back. Bring on Carlton. Bring on, bring on Carlton. Uh, Joe, I, I guess we just got to thank Gate City for having us tonight. It's been a blast. Cheers to Gate City. Yeah, cheers, and man. thank you guys for tuning into another live podcast. ATLNs United. We'll see you guys out in the Gulch tomorrow. I'm Come Blake. join us. We'll drink a beer. We'll chant about Wayne Rooney and Grandma Shagging. Yeah, and I'm Blake the Marshman. I'm ATL Joe. Thanks, guys. It was Good fun. Good night.